Well, good afternoon to all of you. It's a beautiful but rainy day here. Uh, the plan is to be back home with you uh, next Sabbath and uh, be live instead of over the telephone. Uh, we do have a change in month coming up uh, Sunday evening. Uh, we'll have a Bible study at 7.30. Nelson can lead that. So 7.30 Sunday evening for Bible study. That's tomorrow evening. These months just keep clicking by very rapidly, it seems. Just how important is the Sabbath? You and I have all proved that Saturday is the seventh day, and it is the day that God set aside as the Sabbath. There are many viewpoints about it throughout the world. Many religions keep, most religions, I guess, that claim to be Christians, keep Sunday today as a Sabbath. Uh, why? Is that important? They seem to accept Sunday as the first day of the week being the Sabbath, and they all do it. There are very, very, very few uh, who do anything different than that in the Protestant or so-called Christian world. When you get into other religions, other races of people, uh, some keep Fridays. Uh, they pick different days of the week to be important to them. But throughout, I would say, nearly all Israel, uh, northwestern or western Europe, the United States and Canada, and places where Israel has gone, uh, almost invariably keep Sunday. Now, why is that? And is it really an important issue? Many will say, well, it doesn't really matter which day as long as we keep a day special for God. So they can justify Sunday as being a special day they keep to God. I think the Jehovah's Witnesses, if I recall properly, keep Friday as well. But... How important really is it? Is it a minor thing, a medium strength thing, or is it an all-important thing? Let's examine it today from the standpoint of how important is the Sabbath. This isn't a sermon about how to keep it particularly, and I doubt we'll have time to get into that, but if it's important, we need to know that, and we need to know how important, because very few people attach any importance to it, and most of them actually make jokes about it, put it down, disdain it, and want nothing to do with the Sabbath on what we call Saturday. They work on that day, uh, they play on that day, they go on about their own things on Saturday. Now, God didn't name the days of the week according to the common terminology we use today. When you go back into Genesis 1, he simply called them first day, second day, third day, through seven. 
And even there, he only counted when he established the Sabbath, he called it the seventh day. So it's important that we understand uh, that nomenclature. It was the seventh day. Now, we call Saturday today Saturn's day. We call Sunday the day of the sun. There are a lot of people who have done sun worship, so they call it Sunday. Then you have Moon Day. Man, through history, has attached names to the days of the week. Uh, Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, or Woden's Day, these are gods of various peoples. Thor's Day, Thursday, Freya's Day on Friday. On and on it goes, but man have put, has put actually pagan names or things such as the sun and moon, which God said do not keep or do not uh, hallow or make holy or worship the sun or the moon. But we've named days after it. So God only called them first through six. And then later he called the seventh day Sabbath. Now he instituted it. And we'll go here in Genesis 1 and 2. He established the, the daily cycle showing when it was, beginning in the evening and going through uh, the daylight portion, was a full day. We call it day and night uh, because of light and dark. But he established the dark and the light as a day, beginning with the beginning of the dark period. Now, he did some important things here. The earth, as it then was, uh, only showed water. And it, the earth was already here uh, because it even says that he brought the land up out of the water is what he did to bring earth for man to be on later on. So, there it began... That's a pretty important thing, is it not? To bring land out of the water that you can stand on. And then everything he did was pretty important. He established night and day. He established the sun. He established the moon. Two great lights. And on and on it went where he created the... Uh, herbs, the animals, and finally man. Now, those are important things to us. Everything we see around us is pretty important to us. We still, to this day, see the sun and the moon. We still have night and day. We still have the plant life. We still have animal life. And so far, we still have human life. It is about to be extinguished unless God intervenes, which he said would happen here at the end. But it's all important in man's world, all the things that God made there. Now, that's a pretty high level of importance, is it not? All these things he made. The things that he made prior to man, man could not survive without. 
because he had to build an environment that we could exist in before he even made us. So those are all off the scale in terms of importance, really. So then let's go with that background and that thought to chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished. So all that he had done on a physical level of creation was done in six days. And on the seventh day then, something different was done. On the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made. It was done. Uh, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. Now, this is God. He had done some very, very important things in six days. And on the seventh day, uh, a, con a continuity is proclaimed here, that he had made all of it, and then he rested. Now, what did he do? He blessed the seventh day. Did he bless any of the other days? You can read through it carefully. There's no place where he blessed the second day or the fourth day, any day, until it came to the seventh day, and he blessed it. Now, that sets it apart, does it not, as being important. We all would love to have the blessings of God in all parts of our lives, wouldn't we? Blessings are nice. It's nice to feel blessed. And sometimes when people have extraordinarily good things happen, they say, I feel blessed. A feeling of being blessed is a very comforting, strong, wonderful feeling. I feel blessed. Now, if you take the other extreme, I feel cursed, that is terribly negative. When we read about cursings, um, they are awful things that occur. So there's a vast difference, opposite ends of the pole, for blessing and cursed. So, out of all these seven days, God only blessed one. Now, doesn't that make it pretty special? Six days go by, nothing said. Seventh day, this is a blessed day. That makes it pretty important if God put a blessing on it. And sanctified it. Now, sanctified means set aside for a very important purpose. Did he sanctify the first six? Nothing is said about sanctification. So the seventh day came, and he sanctified it. He set it apart from the others as being very, very important for a very special purpose. Now, we'll read about the purposes as we go on. But he both blessed it and sanctified it. We'll find in another place that where he said he blessed it, he hallowed it. We'll get to that in a bit. 
but hallowed means made holy. God is holy. So when he makes something holy, it is as he is. So you can call the Sabbath day a blessed day, a sanctified day, and a holy day. Now man cannot make anything holy. Only God can make things holy because he is holy. So if he makes a Sabbath, a seventh day, holy, then it becomes as God is. He is holy. In anything he proclaims is holy, he is putting on the same level as he is. How do you get anything more important than that? He doesn't say it about any one of the first six days. Only the seventh day. Why? Because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. Now what he had made was very, very important to him. There is a purpose in this earth being the way it is today. There is a purpose in mankind walking the earth with his mind and body wonderfully made. There has to be great purpose in that or God will not have bothered. When you think about the incredible planning that had to go into this earth as it today is and all of the uh, obvious symbiosis, the importance of one plant to another plant, of one bird to a plant, of one animal, even of sharks who have little things on them to keep them clean. There's just so much here that is so intricate. And it required an awful lot of planning. God is God, and he can do anything. But I suspect, but this is only my opinion, I suspect that they spent a great deal of time planning every little thing that would go on and that would be. And I think that can be supported by saying that even before the foundations were laid, it was determined that Christ would have to come and live on the earth with a perfect life and die in order for man to fulfill his ultimate purpose, and that is to become God. Uh, we would have to be saved from ourselves and Satan, and only he could do it. So long before the foundations were even laid, they had been talking about this plan and devising it and realizing what all would happen and knowing that Christ would have to give himself up. So he was willing, and they made that decision long, long before this creation week that we have been looking at so far today. So everything in it was very, very important. And to cap six days of creation, six days of work, with a seventh day and attaching it to it, making a week of seven days, is very, very important, and we'll see that in other scriptures as we go on. It will be 
impressed upon us and just what God was doing here. So here it is. Blessed, sanctified, set apart differently and above all others, and then made holy, as we'll read in Leviticus 23. Let's turn to Leviticus 23 and just follow that up, since we're already there. And the Eternal spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and say to them, Concerning the feast of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feasts. Now, the first feast he names is the weekly Sabbath. It is already proclaimed, before he even brings it up here, a holy convocation. All the holy days are, as listed here in Leviticus 23, but the Sabbath is the first of them. So it is a day that God set aside for a holy meeting. We are not to separate ourselves on the Sabbath, but to come together and be together because it is a holy meeting, a holy gathering. So God has to be there for it to be holy. He does not have to be there on Tuesday or Thursday, whatever is going on, because he hasn't proclaimed it holy, and his holiness does not need to be there. But on the seventh day, he says, I want you to have a holy meeting. If it was just a meeting of men on business or something, his holiness would not be attached. But since it is a meeting on a day that is hallowed and made holy, then the meeting itself becomes a holy meeting. God is there. Unless God is there, nothing is holy. When they built the tabernacle in the wilderness, they had a holy of holies. And God only was to be there, and his presence is what made it holy. And he only allowed the high priest to come in there one time a year. That was all. And he had to go through great preparations to be allowed in the presence of God's holiness. So when God makes something holy, he is attaching... importance beyond our comprehension to it. And we're just talking about a day of the week. They roll around. Every seven days uh, you have a Tuesday. Every seven days you have a Saturday. It is a cycle that goes on. Now, some people have said, well, how do we know it's Saturday is the seventh day? There is no instance in the history of man anywhere that they have ever tinkered with the weekly cycle. They've tampered with the month. They've tried to tamper with the year. But there's no evidence anywhere that the weekly uh, cycle has ever been questioned or changed. So it appears to have continued on week after week ever since 
Genesis 1 and 2. That's where it was established, and that's the way it has stayed. The seventh day is the day the Israelites kept. Even the churches and religions of the world recognize that. Uh, they recognize Jesus kept the seventh day, Saturday. Uh, they don't have a problem with that. There's nothing to indicate it ever got changed. And the Catholics themselves say that they changed it to Sunday and officially made it so in the 300 A.D. 325, was it? They say they're the ones that did it. They say that God gave the Pope power to do anything he wanted to. Now, we can read those scriptures, I'm not going there today, to show the limits that God put on Peter, or Christ put on Peter, when he told him, you had, I'm going to give you the keys, and you had better only decide that which has been decided in heaven. You can't make decisions on your own. But the Catholics turned it around and says, he gave, well, they thought Peter was the first pope, but he wasn't. But you gave Peter power to do anything he wanted to do. Now, does that make any sense or logic at all? God in heaven and Jesus Christ at his right hand created the universe that lived in it forever, without origin, lived in it forever, made it all, planned it all, and then they would turn over the making of all the rules, the making of everything, to a man? How does that make any sense whatsoever? And yet that's the power that Catholics claim that Christ gave the Pope. But Peter was an apostle of Christ and a minister of God. Simon Magus was a different painter, or Peter, who started the Catholic Church in opposition to the Church of God and to Peter and James and John, and went away from it. He tried to buy an apostleship there in Acts. And Peter said, go to hell with your money. But that was the origin of the Catholic Church, as a man who was rebelling against God. The Pope has no power with God whatsoever. Never has had, never will have. So God did not turn something as important as, as, important, as hallowed, as holy, as consecrated, as sanctified as the Sabbath is to the Catholic Church. Doesn't make a bit of sense at all. But man has changed a lot of rules that God has made, different times and in different ways. But this is, let's read it then, and Leviticus 23, 3. Six days shall you work, as God did, shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest, a holy convocation, no work. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. And then he goes on to proclaim other days which are holy convocations or Sabbaths, the uh, holy days that we keep, uh, because right here they are set aside to do that. That's what it's all about.
So God's presence is what makes it holy, and the Sabbath is a holy day. How important can you get? Now let's go to uh, Exodus 31. Exodus 31. You probably have this one memorized. And it is a very important one. Here in verse 12, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak you also unto the children of Israel, saying, Truly my Sabbath you shall keep. Now here's direct direction, instruction, orders from God. My Sabbath you shall keep. He never says that about the second day or the fourth or the fifth day but only his Sabbath. Now, that would include Leviticus 23, the weekly Sabbath, and the other Sabbath he set aside there is annual Sabbath. You shall keep them. For it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord that does sanctify you. Now, he sanctified the Sabbath and set it apart, and he also then set Israel apart and sanctified them as his holy people. That is, holy people are people of God. Oh, my. I just looked out the side window here, and here's two mother hens, turkeys, walking by with a whole batch of little bitties just bigger than an egg. Wild turkeys, it's just... You see these little things in God's creation, things that he's made and put together uh, prior to making the Sabbath. And it's just a, such an inspiration to see the things that God has done. So they walk by and the little ch chicks trying to stay up with Mama going through this grass and having trouble negotiating through it. But there they go. Actually, here's another one. There's three different ones with chicks with them. Uh, that's an aside, but the creation of God is a wonderful thing to behold. And the Sabbath was the capstone of it. So this is to be a sign between God and his people throughout your generations. Verse 14, you shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy to you. Everyone that defiles it shall surely be put to death. So his instruction was, you keep the seventh day, you keep the Sabbath day. It is a day I have made holy, therefore it is and contains God. And if anyone rejects the Sabbath, they are rejecting God. And he who rejects God has to die. What level of importance can you attach to anything above that? It was a death penalty not to keep the Sabbath. And it ultimately will be eternally a death penalty if we do not keep God's Sabbath 
and that which he has made holy. Notice again, it is a sign between God's people and him. No other people have had that sign that God made between him and Israel. Now, when other people were grafted into Israel, or the Israel of God, the church, in the New Testament, Paul makes it very clear that they have become Israelites, spiritual Israelites. And therefore, the Sabbath is holy to them as well, because it was never done away with. The Catholics themselves changed it. God did not. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that which he established, he established forever. It's holy to him. And wherever true Israel is, the Sabbath is a sign between them and God. So whether it be ancient Israel physically, or whether it be modern Israel, which is the church is a combination physically, of Israelites and Gentiles, all having the same importance to God because if they repent and are baptized, they become sanctified or set apart as part of a holy people, a godly people then, if you will. So the Sabbath is a life-threatening thing if you disobey it and do not keep it. The death penalty comes over not keeping the Sabbath. Very, very clear here, is it not? Now, what did Christ say about people who wanted to live forever, wanted to be part of his kingdom? He said, if you will enter into life, keep the commandments. What do the commandments include? Well, they include the Sabbath. Now, most people will say, well, you shouldn't commit adultery, you shouldn't lie, you shouldn't steal. Those are things that people recognize create harm in a society. But the Sabbath, what does that have to do with daily life? Nothing in the eyes of most people. Just nothing. They treat it as if it didn't exist. But to God, is very, very important, and it's a sign between him and his people. And he says, if you live into life, you have to keep number three, you have to keep number four. Otherwise, you will not enter into life. You cannot be, let me put this plainly, you cannot be in the kingdom of God unless you keep the weekly Sabbath, the seventh day from creation. There are no Sunday keepers who will be in the kingdom of God unless they repent. It is one of the ten big ones. Just as important as the other nine. God made them all sanctified or set aside as a definition of worshiping him. The first of the ten is put nothing ahead of God, no idols, because he is the one and only true God. And 
We have to worship him with heart, mind, body, and soul if we are to fulfill the purpose that he put within us. And he said that most people will not be in this age or this life saved. There are a lot of people who think they are, but they keep Christmas and Easter instead of his holy days of Leviticus 23, and they keep Sunday instead of the Sabbath. God never said keep the first day as a test between you and me or as a sign between you and me. Never, ever. But he made the Sabbath one of the Ten Commandments. They are summarized by love God and love your man neighbor as yourself. That's what the ten come down to, but they include the fourth. Those two principles include all ten. So you can't separate it out. It just can't be taken out. Let's go to Exodus 20. Here he's giving the Ten Commandments. I am the Lord that your God which brought you out of the land of Egypt. And then he starts giving rules. We go down to verse 8. <clears throat> Remember, don't forget, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. God made it holy, and we are to treat it and look to it as a holy time. The presence of God is in the Sabbath. The presence of God is on our Sabbath service because it is a holy convocation. It has to be treated with the utmost respect, the respect of God who is holy. Keep it holy. That is a positively motivated statement. It is a sin of, I mean, it is a, uh, a thing of commission. You are commissioned to keep it. You are told to keep it. How committed to it are we? So, you remember it, and you keep it holy. We could get into, and probably will, because I think this is going to turn into more than one sermon. Uh, how do you keep it? How do you keep it holy? What does that mean? Six days shall you labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, your manservant, nor your maidservant, nor your cattle, nor the stranger that is within your gates. You are responsible for everything that is in your gates your house, your land, your gates. But they don't work on the Sabbath. So it's more than just you. It's everything that is under your purview. Everything that is under your authority or jurisdiction is not to work on the Sabbath. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. 
Therefore, the Eternal blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. How do we start the prayer that Christ told us is the model prayer? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our prayers should start with holiness to God. Hallowed is his name. Holy is his name. His name is put about everything in the universe. He is the greatest, the mightiest, the most powerful, the smartest. He's everything in the universe, he and his son. So, we are to hallow the Sabbath. It is of God. It is set aside especially by God. It had his individual attention, if you will. How important, then, should it be to us? Right here, the fourth commandment is keep the Sabbath, because it has to do with God. Now let's go back to Exodus 16. That was Exodus 20, where he formalized the Sabbath in the Ten Commandments there in Sinai with Moses. But he established the laws of God prior to that. Really all of them. Adam and Eve knew they were supposed to worship God. That's the first commandment. Uh, Cain and Abel understood that they should not murder and that there would be consequences if they did. So thou shalt not kill was known. And you can go through <coughs> uh, a, a lot of scriptures before you ever get to Exodus 20 to show that uh, there were already rules in place. They had not been formalized and put in a holy form in the way that he did in a very strict way in Exodus 20. So here in Exodus uh, 16, verse 2, the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full. For you have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Here we have a crisis time. God has set his hand to do something good for Israel, to bless them by bringing them out of slavery, and yet here they were, considering themselves accursed. You cursed us by bringing us out here to die. You had this in mind all along. You said you were going to deliver us and do good to us, and here you brought us out here to die. How fast do people lose, lose trust and faith, belief before God? Pretty fast. Doesn't take long. Then said the Eternal unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they walk in my law or not. Now here is a 
prove them situation. A test, if you will. To test whether they will obey me. Now, what is the test? Let's go on. And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be, let's see. Oh, I skipped verse 4. Then said the Eternal to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or not. So, they are together, just a certain amount, and how they go about what they do is going to prove something to God. It shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as you gather daily. So he's establishing here a sixth day as a preparation day for the seventh day, which was to be done differently. The sixth day done differently because the Sabbath was a special day, and the Sabbath here becomes the test. Most of the said to all the children of Israel, At even then you shall know that the Eternal has brought you out from the land of Egypt, and in the morning then you shall see the glory of the Eternal. For that he hears your murmurings against the Lord, and what are we that you murmur against us? You're going to see the glory of the Eternal. What did he do? He sent bread from heaven. Now we're going to go to John 6, whether today or when, and see what this bread from heaven symbolized. And it symbolized Christ as the bread from heaven. He says it there in John 6. So this to God is very, very important. They had to recognize bread from heaven. So this is just a physical thing uh, that they were tested by. And we'll see that the lesson, though, is far greater in a spiritual lesson when we get to John 6. Now, the Sabbath could be looked at about that, or upon in that way, from Genesis 1 and 2 to start with. Because everything in the first six days was a, uh, a physical thing. Physical earth, physical water, physical sun, moon, everything uh, were to be done. And see what time it is here. Because time goes by fast. Well, I can't, I can't see it on there. Uh, but the Sabbath then, in Genesis 2, becomes a spiritual thing. It wasn't a physical thing that was created. Uh, yeah, there's the time. It wasn't a physical thing that was created, but it was, and it, it had spiritual meaning from that day on, because to sanctify is set apart for a holy use. To hallow is to set it apart as holy as God is holy. 
So those are spiritual things. So the Sabbath was really spiritual in the very beginning. But he instituted it to Israel because they did not have the Spirit of God on a primarily physical level. But it still had penalties like death if you didn't keep it. So, getting back to uh, Exodus 16... Your murmurings are against God. And Moses says, This shall be when the Eternal shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, for that the Eternal hears your murmurings, which you murmur against Him. And he says, It's not really against us that you're complaining. It's against God. So he told Moses to tell the people to come near before the Eternal, for he has heard your murmurings, and God was going to take care of them. Uh, he said that they have flesh to eat in verse 12, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the eternal, your God. And then quail came, and then in the morning uh, came this other stuff. Verse 14, when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing, uh, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna. For they didn't know what it was. And Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Eternal has given you to eat. Uh, manna in Hebrew meant, what's it? <laughs> they just called it, what's it? What is this? And that became its name. But God said, it's not just what's it. It's the bread I have sent to sustain you. Even as, we shall see very clearly, Christ is the bread that he sent to sustain us spiritually. This is the thing which the Eternal has commanded. Gather of it every man according to his eating, and over for every man according to the number of your persons. Take ye every man for them which are in his tents. The children of Israel did so, and gathered some more, some less. And when they did measure it out, with an omer, he that gathered much had nothing over, and he that gathered little had uh, no lack. They gathered every man according to his eating. Now, Moses said, let no man leave of it till the morning. Give us this day our daily bread. We have to partake of what gives us God gives us every day. He gave us Christ. We must partake of him daily. He's there. He expects a relationship. There should be prayer every day to the Father and the Son. There should be thought every day of the Father and the Son. He says in Matthew 4.4 4, that we are not to live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God. So our daily bread includes the words of God. That's why Bible study is important. Because he was the bread of life, and his word was given to us as the bread of life to give us ability to live spiritually alive and healthy from the bread of life, Jesus Christ. So... There are instructions here that have to do with things spiritual. 
But they didn't listen. Notwithstanding, they hearkened not to Moses, but some of them left of it until the morning, and they bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. And they gathered it every morning, and every man according to his eating, and when the sun waxed not, or waxed hot, and melted. Now it came to pass that on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two almost for one man. And all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. He said to them, This is that which the Eternal has said. Tomorrow is the rest of the holy Sabbath unto the Eternal. Bake that which you will bake today, and see that you will seed, and that which remains over lay up for you to be kept until the morning. So he's, he's establishing preparation day here. They were to, on the sixth day, prepare ahead for the Sabbath. Get twice as much so there will be something to eat on the Sabbath. Even as we are instructed to do uh, the majority of our preparation, our cooking of food and various things on Friday, preparation day, so that we don't have to do those things on the Sabbath. We should not be doing any major cooking of any kind on the Sabbath day. That should have been done on Friday. Uh, put it together, bake it, cook it, whatever you want to do on Friday. Because the Sabbath is holy and you're not to work. So, I don't know whether people get lazy with that over time or not, but uh, Preparation Day is something that God established so that his holy Sabbath could be kept as he intended it to be kept. So they laid it up till morning as Moses bared. It didn't stink, neither was there any worm therein. So he made a difference on what they gathered on Friday and kept it over, still fresh and good, for the Sabbath. Moses said, Eat that today, for today is a Sabbath to you. Today you shall not find it in the field. It would rain manna six days, but not on the seventh day. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, in it there shall be none. And it came to pass that there went out some of the people on the seventh day to gather, and they found none. Why is it so hard to understand plain Hebrew? <laughs> God just tells them through Moses they won't be there, but they go out to check. He says, don't, don't gather two times as much on Tuesday, or it'll stink. So they went out and got it, and it stank. It's just simple stuff. It isn't that complicated. Here's what you do, and here's when to do it, and just do it. And they go the opposite way. Verse 28, the Lord said to Moses, how long refuse you to keep my commandments and my laws? So here he's putting this Sabbath thing and this bread of life thing on a holy level 
as part of his commandments and his laws. And the Sabbath is central to this. And whether they will do things according to his way and his will on the Holy Sabbath time. See, for that the Eternal has given you the Sabbath. Therefore he gives you on the sixth day the bread of two days. Abide you every man in his place, let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Oh, that was the point to start with. Moses said, This is the thing which the Eternal commanded you. Fill an omer of it to be kept for your generations, that they may see the bread wherewith I have fed you in the wilderness when I brought you forth from the land of Egypt. That portion of manna was to be kept in the ark as an example of what God had done. He does not want to, us to forget the things he's done for us. So Moses said there, and take a pot and put an omer full of manna therein, and lay it up before the eternal to be kept for your generations. And then Aaron did so. And they ate manna forty years until they came to the land of promise and into the borders of Canaan. So there you have it, what God says for us to do. And manna was a test commandment. Whether they would keep preparation day, whether they would keep Sabbath, and really all of God's commandments. Well, I'm out of time for today, but that should give us a beginning of understanding of how absolutely important the Sabbath day is. No getting around it. But we'll continue then next week. I hope to see you then.